Welcome to the About Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Skirtu. I'm a licensed marriage therapist in the state of Missouri and an ASEC certified sex therapist. You can find me at www.therapistinstlouis.com. Now today I'm interviewing Alexander. Hi, Alexander, Hi, who hello. is good, apparently. <laughs> you are a host of the podcast, Not So Sexy. That is true. And the podcast that makes it easy to talk about sex. That but- is my tagline. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you wrote yep, here. I'm just reading what he yeah. wrote. And then also you're a stand-up comedian and an improviser. That's true. All right. Well, so tell me about your podcast. What do you talk about? Uh, <laughs> we talk about... I, see, this is the thing. Is like I try to talk about all the... the I, t- I do like sex episodes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like... Uh, we had one about herpes the other day, which is a very like I think sex related topic. But I also yeah. want to do like the periphery. Like we've talked about love and we've mm-hmm. talked about how to ask for things and like with respect to sex. Um and like dating or yeah, something, yeah. flirting, all that crap. Yeah. We haven't we have actually <laughs> haven't done a flirting one, but we've done like, you know, Tinder and Bumble, like how do you date? Mm-hmm. Um we talked about BDSM. Okay. Uh, we talked about like our first one was consent, you know. Mm-hmm. So just like, well, that's ask. kind of like a square one for yeah. any sex talk, right? Exactly. Like, are you consenting? Like, Is everybody on the same episode page? Got to talk about consent. <laughs> it would be crazy to have a sex podcast to be like, well, we're not talking about this yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been great. I love it. I love the topic. I think like, you know, I. I was so under-equipped. Like mm-hmm. I started having sex, and I was like, what? Why is it so the vagina? Why is the <laughs> vagina so wet? Why is it so complex? <laughs> yeah. What's happening? There's so and, many flaps. And I'm like, it sounds so <laughs> dumb as an adult now who's done it a million times, but like as a teenager, I was like, this is crazy. You know? Are you open to sharing that story or no? <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> what I'm, was your first like? <laughs> so my first, we've talked about that before for sure. So like my first was actually I have a bit about this. My first was I we we're watching Galaxy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is a very sexy movie if you've never seen it. I've seen it. I love yeah, it. It's yeah. a fun one. Classic. And <laughs> I don't know if I remember it as being sexy, actually. No, it's awful. <laughs> it's not a sexy movie at all. It's about this like sad British guy who's goes on you know some boring... That's nah, not boring. I but thought they were cool th- space there's adventures. There's a depressed robot. Like, if, if, you know, a depressed, I love the depressed robots. <laughs> yeah, not a particularly like arousing uh, uh, robot. It's a good movie. I really like the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but so anyhow, there was yeah, a yeah. robot involved. And this is I, <laughs> this is how this will say a lot as me as a teenager. I turned eighteen, and like maybe within that week of turning eighteen, I sat my girlfriend at the time down. And I was like, "Look, oh, I think we should he's sex. having a come to Jesus moment." Go <laughs> yeah. on. We went to Go Go's <laughs> Mongolian Grill, which you know it's like here's all this meat in my bowl. We need to talk about us having sex, and I think it was a very like very business conversation. I was thinking of a theme of this meat bowl. Like, you know, like this is this is the meat of our, the crux of our relationship. We need to get this meat yeah, in yeah. your pants. And like this sauce. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. So I I don't know. So I, was there a briefcase involved and you had to yeah, have yeah. like a contract? Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, I'll, <laughs> do you agree with this? Do your people approve? For the consent piece. Um, so we ended up meeting in my house and then we're, my mom is, like the the moment that we have, because mm-hmm. my my parents were always there. She was cleaning our windows. And like, you guys were having sex. No, yeah, because we it was like this is Wait, the only, she was outside. Or <laughs> yes, it was the only time we had available, like to do this. Oh my god! And we how awkward. We, we, oh my god! It was so awkward. We didn't even do it in my room. We went to my bathroom. <laughs> Which, have you ever been in a bathroom? They're not... I mean, I have, I mean, sure. it's not like a one-night stand at a bar. It's a one-night... 
it's like a one <laughs> moment period of time in like a bathroom in a sub- very tiny suburban home. I feel like singing the song one moment yeah, inside. It wasn't good. I feel I feel I feel so bad that this was the woman's first time. Like I I was her. I hope she could have I hope she gets like amnesia and forgets that moment. Everybody's got to learn from their first time. I don't think yeah. anybody did a great no. first time. But I just remember I was like this it's so warm. Right, I was like, "Wow, the vagina is so warm." I did not expect that. And then, what were you expecting? I I don't know. It's like, first off, you know, like I thought it was going to be like in the front, you know, because it's not. What do you you mean, like in the front? Yeah, like Like your belly button. button? Yeah, yeah, like not not her belly button, but you know, like like, close. Yeah, yeah, like maybe not close to her belly button, but just like there, like in the front. But it's you know, it's like it's got it's like a curve, right? You know what's so interesting about that? Like even even like knowing where it's supposed to be or what it's supposed to look like. I, I had a client once who she didn't like growing up, she didn't know much about sex. She didn't all she knew actually about sex was what she saw dogs do. And so she thought that a male penis would look like that red Whoa. penis <laughs> that comes out of the dog when he's horny. And like it's just an interesting thought. And like, I mean, there's a lot of things that people don't know it's, and they're not getting information this anywhere. This is exactly why <laughs> I think you like I this is why I totally support people having conversations like this. Like this is why my podcast exi- exists is people like that and it's like I totally support people like the work you do being a sex mm-hmm. therapist because it's like one it's a fundamental human thing yeah and we everybody all do needs it. sex guys yeah so you it's know Maslow's hierarchy <laughs> of needs people like it's like shelter and food and like there's also sex it's, it's in there it's in there and people forget it I'm like no 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 before you get to self-actualization at the top, you got to work through that sex part, man. Well, I always say this actually, but people who are um, like very healthy and authentically their sexual selves have better avenues towards that sexual self-actualization. And it's because it's such a vulnerable thing to get comfortable with. Like it's your body in its most vulnerable place. You're naked and you're like sharing that with another person. How do you do that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like exchanging all these fluids and like when you're supposed to talk. Yeah. And like the talking. Oh my God. (laughs) And is it supposed to be dirty right now? Or is it supposed to be like dirty? Like, you know, well, even that there's shame around that. Is this dirty talk or are we just actually just talking sexy? It's so dumb. But it's that kind of stuff. Like, like that's why not so sexy exists. And I'm mm-hmm. like I said, I'm so glad that you also have a sex podcast because you're you get to experience client work, which is mm-hmm. so important. And like you get to see the the deep depth of like human, uh, like how humans work when it comes mm-hmm. to this thing. So, but that's but yeah. so why did you do it though? I'm really curious. Why you know, did I like, have sex? No, oh, I was no, no, not the sex part. No, no I, I know what you're asking. <laughs> I know why everybody <laughs> has sex. Trust me, I'm a sex <laughs> therapist. But like, I'm actually curious, it. like what. Like, what made you think, you know, I want a sex podcast. This is where I'm going with my life. I think that's a great <laughs> question. Uh, so, like, th- it's going to be a longer accent. I've been trying to shorten you the answer. You do you, man. You do so, you. <laughs> I was in college. I went to a tiny school. I was in science. I had a, I got a physics degree, which is not a humble brag. Uh, but it was, you know. I, did, I mean, it's no. a pretty big deal. Yeah, it's it's like, okay. Whatever, you can take whatever, your whatever, honor. Whatever. Like, whatever. I have a physics yeah, degree. Yeah. You guys no, can go fuck yourselves. What I mean by that, I was, I was in a <laughs> tiny school that had like a lot of engineers and mm-hmm. like science majors, right? If, and if you know those people. I do. They're, they could be weird, right? And that's great. Like they can be weird. Um, and then we had 16% female population, right? So like uh-huh. layer all those things. Mm. Like I'm really into Naruto. I don't know how to talk to women. There's no women around. And then I also went to school in like a in like a school that had a lot of um, military folks mm-hmm. on the uh, the GI Bill, um, which is fine. That just brought a sense of masculinity to the school, right? Okay. So like no comment on like the military at all. 
just comment on the fact that like there was this very masculine like just aura about the school. So okay. you've got science folks that are sort of weird. You've got <laughs> very few females to talk to. And then on top of that, you just layer this sort of like toxic, what we are calling toxic masculinity. And we'll so- just say a very thick oozing of yeah, masculinity. Yeah. And you know, it's like, <laughs> so I just watched myself, right? Like I, I watched as I was like, oh man, I want to get fucking laid. Or mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, I just, I reduced these people, women, mm-hmm. down to like this thing sex in the vagina objectifying yeah. in some sort of way and you know like it didn't feel good but it felt right mm-hmm. and so well, I well because you were justified in, in the culture exactly. that you were being raised it was this cultural thing right mm-hmm. and I I got out of that I moved I moved to St. Louis and I was just sort of reflecting on like my experience in sex education in general which was abysmal um, which and, is everybody else's experience yeah, by the way it's like none of this is like <laughs> unique uh, and then I was just like I was reflecting on how it affected my life, like how my mm-hmm. perception of self was. I was like, I'm worthless. I'm not, I can't do anything. Like just cause I wasn't like getting laid. And so I was like, fuck this man, <laughs> fuck this bullshit. I want to huh. talk about it because it's just I, like, I had, there was one moment that all this stuff sort of like clicked. And this woman okay. that was like a friend, she was talking about how she was dating around, like mm-hmm. pretty normal. And that she told this guy, like, hey, like, I'm dating around. Like, I'm not going to see you exclusively. Like, you know, very chill. So he saw her at a bar with another guy and then came to her house, like, enraged. And I'm like, that's fucking crazy. That's not okay. That's not okay. So I was like, and what that boils down to is sex, right? It boils down to, like, getting sex, being a sexual being, wanting sex, desire, like, well, it boils down to ownership too, doesn't it? A little bit, this sense of like, when I start to make love to you, then I, I feel like I have this part of you that I get to control in some way. Mm. And I don't think people are intentional about that. Like, you know, you're talking about your your college setting. So there's there's a cultural representation of that ownership that like you're mine and nobody else can have you, but it doesn't give people any freedom to be who they are at their right. individual authentic self-actualized self. You know, we had to go into the <laughs> Maslow, therapy terms. Ah, oh, Maslow, right. But like the point is- <laughs> <laughs> seen someone make a jerk off motion for Maslow. What a fucking Maslow. Oh, therapists love themselves. We're, we're just yeah, as narcissistic yeah, yeah. as anyone therapy. else. <laughs> That's hilarious. But no, it's true. Yeah, yeah. So like, I think that there's this sense of like across the board, people not learning to be really comfortable in their own skin because one, we're not educated about sex. And then two, that anxiety shows itself in like really extreme measures. Yeah. <laughs> like and that's, that. Like I have empathy for that guy, right? Not I'm not advocating or saying what he did was right. It no. wasn't. But the fact that like we can boil down his behavior to coming from a place of probably fear of yeah. like uncertainty of like um, you love me and you're abandoning exactly, me exactly right yeah. and I'm like that comes down mm-hmm. to this thing we call sex and all sorts of stuff like love and our relationship and our to relationship sex. to sex mm-hmm. exactly so yeah. to answer your question uh, circuitously <laughs> right we'll come back around exactly. we always bunny trail on like, the show it's totally cool <laughs> all this stuff within my own life within the people that I care about watching them interact in their own like sexual lives I'm like oh. Fuck this. Like, this sucks. I want to talk about it. You're up in arms. Yeah. So I've never, like, (laughs) my goal is, like, I'm not an expert, but Mm -hmm. like yourself, I'm not. Like, I am at at best maybe just a better than a novice at this point because I've done it for a while and I've learned a lot. But I just want people to, one, know it's okay. Like, Mm -hmm. what you're into or, like, what you're not into, Mm -hmm. it's fine. And, like, there's so much misinformation out there. Like, let's just talk about it. That's why we did a whole episode on BDSM, right? Because Mm -hmm. people read 
30 shades of gray and they're like oh that's that's bdsm i'm like no that is like maybe one piece actually right? there's a lot of emotional abuse in the book yeah. just to throw that out there <laughs> and like, and like some consensual things that really needed to be discussed but that's just my therapist take right. on it but like suburban white moms <laughs> so are like you oh know. my god bdsm i'm like okay let's just take a step back there's so much there right and sure. there's a whole community of people that like that's their thing and but it's like if we look at sort of Hollywood and and just our sort of the society at large, like they view that as like the extreme. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I actually it's funny, but I actually have two different takes on it. There's the BDSM community, and then I think there's the rest of the world that does like BDSM light, like yeah, a yeah. diet version of it, where they they want to dabble a little bit, but they don't want to like live a whole lifestyle where right. they're like, I'm you're my submissive, and, yeah, yeah. and you're gonna like follow me around with a collar. You know, like that's some people, but it's not everyone. But like a lot of people, just in the regular. We'll call it uh, vanilla yeah, yeah, <laughs> sex yeah. population uh, are still interested in aspects of it, like power dynamics. Well, I do want you to throw me up against the wall. Yeah. Well, okay, but I don't want you to like slap me. Like right. that's not cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's awesome, right? It's like even getting that conversation of like I am okay with like being a little bit, not me personally necessarily, but like just dancing on. Yeah, the yeah, edge. like yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like it's okay. Whatever you're like, whatever on the spectrum of like, I want to be fucking domed like crazy versus like I would like. A little bit of slap on the butt, please. Like whatever you know, whatever you are on the spectrum, it's like formal fine. slap yeah. on the ass. Just like let me know. Consensually. Exactly. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So it's just So that brought you into the podcast. So what's yeah, yeah. it been like? The the experience of it's running been, a podcast. I think it's been awesome. I have like been <laughs> I do too, by the way. Podcasts are freaking amazing. They're great, right? I've learned I I I have to ask you the same question of like I have learned a ton. I've learned mm-hmm. a ton about like just me personally, which is a you know, it's kind of a selfish thing, but also the fact that like sexuality as a, as 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 we do it as humans, I've learned so much about just mm-hmm. the broad spectrum of, and I'm not, a, I'm like I, I have a couple of soapboxes, and one is like lack of shame. I don't think shame is particularly useful. It's not. It's actually a toxic emotion that causes irreparable harm. And she's. <laughs> She and knows, I have a license yeah, to prove it. She's a licensed person, so like... <laughs> no, it really is. It causes severe behaviors. Like yeah. when shame and sex... Or actually, my, my soapbox is anytime you associate shame with a natural behavior, something that is normal and natural, then it causes severe harm. And yeah. acting out behaviors in ways that are really damaging mm-hmm. um, across the population. To you, yourself, whatever. To others. Like, no, I've seen it in so many ways. And so shame itself is is totally toxic. And we have a lot of research to back yeah, that yeah. up. <laughs> so like, I've, I've been, yeah, so I've learned a lot. And I've also been like super lucky in people that have actually listened to the podcast, which well, is great. Nice. And I've, people reach out and they're like, hey, I thought I was weird. And I know I'm not now. And I'm like, yeah. Awesome. That I'm, was the goal. Yeah, that was the goal. And like, even if it was, you know, even if it's just one person and I die tomorrow, I'm like, that's you fucking are happier. So, like, great, we did it. <laughs> you so, did it. yeah, well, you know, it's my <sighs> mo- small contribution to this like greater conversation. But I could ask you the same question. I'd be so curious. Well, I can answer that question. I mean, for me, so in the clinical work, I do, um, you know, like I'm, I'm like in the trenches, right? Like working with people and trying to help them do, you know, like make these life changes. But what's nice about the podcast is there's not, there's like this huge pressure essentially lifted off my shoulders of like, you know, in therapy, I'm like, oh my God, I got to do this and I got to help you in this way and I got to make sure everybody's okay, essentially. Because yeah, yeah. that's my job is to make you okay and then like happy and to like be really happy sexually, right? Yeah, yeah. But 
But then there's this other piece that's like just sitting and having conversations with people and really connecting and meeting new people and networking and, and realizing we're all like, I don't know, part of this bigger, greater world. And a lot of us have similar ideas. So for me, the biggest things I've learned are just how important it is to have a conversation that's two-way because as a therapist, you do everything one way for other people and it's nice to get something back. Um, But also to have a relaxed space to talk about sex and just play around because it's not always work. It's not academic anymore necessarily. But as a clinician, we, we have like a... It's a clinical mode where we are on and we are like the way the only way to describe it is like being a puppeteer um, or a chess yeah, player. Yeah. You're literally strategically trying to move like he talked clients. about his dad. What does this mean? Got- How do I move them? And if you think of like a chess player, knight to rook, bishop, you know, like I'm trying mm-hmm. to move them in a way that commingles them <laughs> to yeah. love each other and have really great sex. Yeah, yeah, at the end of the day. <laughs> but in a podcast, you don't I just have to worry get to about know that. someone. Yeah, you just get to like feel free for a second. <laughs> I get to play and I get to soapbox and I have I a forum it. for it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And you get to have people watch you on a live stream talk about it. I know. Thank you, everyone, for coming. That's great. Yeah. I appreciate (laughs) it. So cool. Cool. Well, so what are some of the most interesting topics you think you've covered on your podcast? Or just any of them, two or three? that's That's a good, that's a really good question. I think the one. The one that I hear a lot about, the one that I really like, uh, there's this woman I met, uh, her name is Ainsley on the podcast, uh, and she was a former stripper. Okay. And this is actually one of our early episodes. It's like episode, I don't know, I'm not even going to give you a number, but it's <laughs> season one. And what I loved is that she broke down this concept of like, we all think strippers, and like, I'm in the world of comedy, and strippers are like a very easy go-to. Like, oh. I do this like a stripper, you know, and it's usually like, it's not, we never talk about them as like, a good in a good positive light okay. and I don't think that's fair right because like she came on the podcast and she just sort of broke it down it's like hey I'm and her, the whole thing was like how we get paid and she was like a hairstylist in in the sense that you know I'm contractor at this club mm-hmm. and you pay me and, and like I give some of that to the club to dance here much like a hairstylist I am a human being mm-hmm. and like I do this work because I can do it and there's a need and there's a need and she was also like I was poor and it was 2008 and the crash had just happened and I had a, you know, I had a problem. Like I had student loans and like I had to find a job and I wasn't getting hired and like I'm attractive and I can dance. Like all those things. Why would you not do that? Yeah. I'm I'm just like, that is like, it's so interesting to me because like that is one small population Mm -hmm. of people that we have marginalized to like because of, I think, a lack of knowledge that is Mm -hmm. a part of sex, right? The, one of the latest episodes we just did was about herpes. This woman, she found out she had herpes, like that caused her a lot of emotional trauma. And we talked about the fact that like it's actually a very normal condition for a ton of people. She yeah. has her herpes simplex A, which is like, I don't know, I'm not going to give you a statistic because I don't want to screw it up, but it's <laughs> crazy high. We'll quote you and we'll use it against yeah, you exactly, in a court of law. <laughs> exactly. Like, well, bef- you know, Senator, we remember when you were on this. P- <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, at this point, if you're <laughs> yeah. going to be the senator, you're yeah. going to have to own all this. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But continue. So, like, you're talking about yeah. herpes. And so, like, again, in the and she brings this up, and I thought it was, like, so poignant in the fact that, like, in the comedy world, herpes or people who have herpes are such an easy group to like make fun of like oh oh, you know like that's like having herpes it stays with you even if you don't want it you know it's like shit like that right where it's like you know that can be funny but for a lot of people that have this thing it's just again shame right it's like this thing that that causes shame and in reality you don't 
you, it's not a thing to be afraid of or, or mm-hmm. like to feel shame of. Or if you're a sex worker, it's like, fuck, they are people. Like if we mm-hmm. stop marginalizing them, you remember that they're good human beings. So I have to, I have to call you out on being a comedian for a second because I wonder what that. So I was thinking of my the I, I consider myself a kind of comedian, but like a, an educated, I guess, comedian talker, Clinician. whatever you want to call comedian. it, right? Like yeah, it's yeah. like I like humor. I like to incorporate mm. play in my work because I think it's an important part of life, right? Yeah, yeah. But I was thinking about you as a comedian and what that might mean, because like, all right, part of a job of a comedian is to poke fun at things, right? That's your job. Like I have to make like you're essentially somebody's the brunt of the joke, right? And so I wonder how you have put the together like because there's this efficacy piece right where you're like this, people are real and they matter and, and they're important how are you finding a way to connect the so sense of the, you said somebody's the brunt of the joke that's not always that's not always it's not true. always the it case it can be a thing right and i i think okay, something for, yeah yeah and i <laughs> there's a concept and maybe you're familiar it's called punching down right so yes like, i've heard of it yeah yeah so like but actually they might have tell oh, them yeah, what yeah. punching, so down, punching is. down it's like a very like 101 comedy concept where we don't want to punch on people that are marginalized <clears throat> we don't want to punch down i eat like people yeah. that are sort of below the status quo and the status quo can be whatever you said so you right? want to punch up yeah you want to punch up <laughs> so like making fun of the right president the that's why making fun of the president, like every new president, SNL just skewers the shit out of them because they're mm-hmm. they're the president, right? They they they've got a good job. Yeah. They've got a pretty secure. <laughs> they've got job. some job security yeah. at least you know for four I mean? years. They've got they've got okay. like a whole security detail that can, mm-hmm. you know. So they're pretty. They got really good insurance. Yeah, but they're not like a poor <laughs> dude in the South that like is not sure if he's gonna be able to feed his kids, right? Like making okay. fun of that guy, like who? Yeah, his life already sucks. Like, why are you making fun of him? Yeah, why would you hurt him? What do you get out of that? Yeah, like, what point are you trying to make? And so, I think we can still, like, have fun. But if if we're, but I think for me personally, like, my whole philosophy around doing stand up and comedy is like, reveal, and and this is not necessarily, again, a unique perspective, but it's like, let's talk about the truth that is difficult to discuss, right? Like, Mm -hmm. not so sexy's whole sort of like underlying philosophy is like, we use comedy to make it palatable so we can talk about the things that are hard to talk about. Okay. So So it's a way to be vulnerable. Yeah. Oh, therapists love vulnerability. (laughs) And I think comedy is a really good way to, one, it allows like us to have a conversation, but it also allows people to listen, right? Because I also want Mm -hmm. somebody who is probably like, more religious, maybe a little more conservative to still listen to my podcast and be like, oh, you know. So it's essentially softening the blow. Yeah, and they don't have to agree with me, but I want them to listen, right? And if they end an episode and they're like, great, still don't agree, but I listened and I heard, oh, fine, you know what? Great, like maybe we can have a dialogue in the future or maybe we never agree. Mm -hmm. But if you're like, fuck that, I don't, I don't, you know, herpes is gross. It's like, well, nobody, you know what I mean? Like, It's like, well, okay. Yeah. I don't know if we learned and grew here. We can't move forward, dude. Like you have to listen and people like to laugh. It's Mm -hmm. very easy. But yeah, to your point, it's like, I don't want to, it has been hard. There, I definitely have jokes where I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. I gotta think about that one. Well, I have that too because I am. I'm a humorous person. I come from a very silly background with family that just we laugh. We love to laugh, yeah, right? Yeah. And like, but as a therapist, words mean 
so much. And we're like, it, it that is definitely punched into our psyche. Like, you be careful of the wording. Make sure you use what's like safe or comfortable for them. Yeah. And so there'll be times when I'm like, oh, this is a perfect joke. But then it's like, wait, is it culturally appropriate or politically correct? Yeah, yeah. If it doesn't make, is it <laughs> Is okay? it safe to give this? Yeah. So like, I definitely have that running in the back of my head. So I'd assume you would too. I don't, I don't, I don't have Maybe to Maybe not as intense. <laughs> no. I think stand up, we get the, we are afforded that opportunity to go mm. further. So like political correctness or like social correctness. In fact, I, if I am doing my job, I will not be those things. Mm-hmm. But if I'm also doing my job, I'm not being offensive to be offensive. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not just trying to hurt people. Right. You're doing it to maybe prove a point or to pull people out of themselves in some way. Exactly. And I like the idea of, I'm a big fan of like joke theory in general. And I think like if I do my job well, I will provoke you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I will provoke you to you're a- stirring a fire or something. Exactly. Gotcha. And I will provoke you to a new place of thinking. And that is usually a laugh. That's like the brain, like click, click, click. Oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting. And then you might go like, oh wait, I just, you know, and that's fine. Like yeah. that's totally, I get that. Well, but, but it's a, actually really intelligent people tend to be humorous because you have to like it, it requires two sides of the brain. One is the logical side, but the other is actually being able to look at it from a distance and like poke fun at it or like yeah, see yeah. some of the. Uh, what do you call it? The leaps in logic or the breaks in logic, essentially. So you have to, it's actually a very high, humor is a very Thank you for high the intelligence. I appreciate that. Well, I actually <laughs> study a lot of humor, believe it or not. And like, I, I do a lot of work with it with my couples because when humor breaks down in couples, for example, it's usually a breakdown in trust. Yeah. And so like what I'll find is, so here's an example, guy I culture. Love I love guy culture. Bring it. So like guys will, when you're close to each other, you Josh beat on each other. You beat the shit out of each other mentally. Like, oh, you're such an asshole. Oh, you're like dumb. You're like, but if you were to do that to a stranger who just came in, that was a guy, he would be like, who? What are you doing? Beat the shit out of you, like, you know, whatever. I don't know. So even, but even to be that way with a guy, you have to be close enough to have that humor. And what I've seen with my female male clients, because not all my clients are heterosexual, but I'm just saying, like that guy culture meets girl culture, just fucking clashes, and it doesn't work out because girls actually don't. Don't joke like that. We'll do self-deprecating humor, yeah, or we will uh, joke about something very distant from us, yeah, so that yeah. it has nothing to do with us. It's like, oh, those girls like, over yo, there. Yo, Jenny, that pussy stank. <laughs> I don't know if anyone would go that like, far. Nobody would do that, is what I'm saying. <laughs> no, no, no female I gotcha, would do that. I gotcha. But like, dudes will do that. Like, you know, replace pussy with penis, and like that joke. Uh-huh. Is exactly, like a very, and it would land like, perfect. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty yeah, like that's pretty tame and and some of the exactly. <laughs> but, but you're like, right. That's so funny. Yeah. And so I'll see that because, you know, it's just how you're raised, right? Culturally, like that's the guy culture. And if the female culture is the other, then, you know, so guy comes to girl and he does this joke and it's a little bit at her expense. And she's like, you don't yeah, love but me. That's his <laughs> sign of, for her, that's a sign of like trust and vulnerability and love for him. I mean, him yes, to her. For him to her. But for her to him, it's like, like why don't you, you love me? How could you do this? You only make jokes at like people very distant. Yeah, yeah. I'm in your heart. That matters so much. This is like one of my favorite. I love this conversation. One of my favorite examples of like masculine culture and like mm-hmm. how there is no definition of it. If you look at, so I'm Lebanese. So culturally, like if you look at like people that are in the Arabic world, mm-hmm. men, if they are, and I'm sure all of you know this, but like. Well, I don't know. Yeah, you yeah. should just say so it. So that men, when they're friends, they will hold hands. They'll like oh, walk okay. down the street. And like, if you know anything about that culture, like hyper-masculine, keep women, you know, they like keep women down sort of socially. Mm-hmm. So it's like, 
when we talk about like, dude, you're you're fucking gay or whatever, or like you're you know, it's like mm-hmm. oh, which we're not approving of, yeah, yeah, guys. I'm it's not. Like, that, that's I just do it yeah, as yeah. a therapist. It's my thing. Go on. Yeah, yeah. I, I was trying to represent somebody who's like an asshole. I know. Uh, I saw it. I just do this shit all the time. I, where I'm I like, let's be that. careful, guys. This is just a joke. Yeah, you I, do you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my point is like, there's no. It's there's nothing right. There's no rules, mm-hmm. and I think like what you're saying is like there are no rules, and like maybe that can cause tension in relationships, and like you gotta talk about it well you know what actually the interesting thing so i do a lot of work with trust and boundaries because i actually have a book on infidelity and treating infidelity so it's I've on spent, amazon oh yeah <laughs> but i've spent a lot of time really delving deep into these topics right and um when i think of boundaries i, I think of basically so those rule the definition of a boundary is essentially an unwritten rule, an unwritten mm-hmm. line. If you look it up online, it's like think of the boundary on a state. You yeah, can't yeah. see the line. It's there, like between Arkansas. It's a defined thing. It's but it doesn't sort of defined, exist. but you don't see it. And so that's what's happening in relationships. They're not defining their boundaries. They're not really clear about where the lines are. And what ends up happening mm. is they step on them and it explodes in their face. Because yeah, it's yeah. like a bomb. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, oh, I didn't like that. And sometimes you can't even articulate. Those are the worst, where you're like, I hate whatever. But I don't know why. Well, actually, I love that part of it because that's how people learn and grow. So whenever you feel that's a really that, awesome way to look at. No, that. no, like when you feel it, then it's like, okay, oh, there's a boundary. Where'd that come from? You got to take a little time for self reflection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then when you take time in that like uncomfortable space, then you start to actually recognize, oh, oh, this is what I need in this situation. I feel uncomfortable. My representation of boundaries is that it's not something to hold like close people out. Like some people think of it like this is how you're like protecting yourself but no it's actually you're setting these boundaries to make it safer to let people in yeah yeah, yeah. I think it, uh, it's like a it's like a manual right like yeah. here's my manual these are the things that like will keep you and I safe because like mm-hmm. you know I just yeah safe, like, some loved, people don't protected. like a finger in their butt like that's a boundary <laughs> and that's okay you know? and that's fine you and have every right to say no to exactly. a finger in your butt it's like that's a boundary <laughs> like that's a funny boundary but like also some people are like look you know maybe I don't want to talk about my dad because I had a bad experience. Like, that's mm-hmm. also a boundary. What, whether that's good or bad, those are things that are real. Well, see, one of the things that I've noticed, though, is that even in the, like, so first of all, if somebody says no, no, <laughs> always no. But, like, even exploring why the no is there so that you understand it. Because sometimes the no is there simply because of context. Mm. For example, maybe no. Well, I could go there with both of them, actually. But for the finger and the butt one, maybe it's a, what does this what does this mean about me? What does this mean about my yeah, masculinity? Yeah. What does exactly. it mean about, like, am I safe or comfortable in my skin? And it doesn't mean you're trying to push or, like, saying, well, we're doing this to get a finger in your butt. Yeah, yeah. No, it's we're more to just... <laughs> no, no we're gonna pressure. We're going to get there. It's on Amazon. But That's even, the latest book. No, gonna... <laughs> it's coming out 2020. <laughs> no, 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 no. I always respect boundaries. But, like, yeah. even taking time to understand that sometimes it actually does free people up in their own way to be like, oh, well, this comes from this actually. And it's not the finger in the butt that's the problem. It's actually this sense of like, I don't feel comfortable as a man thinking about myself in that way. Right. I don't know. I just went therapy on you. It's so awkward. No, I think it's actually so great, right? Because you can like take a thing that like is funny but also like there are definitely dudes i've met they're like oh like no way and it's like <laughs> great like maybe that's, like, that's a, okay that is totally okay i love the idea of like is it a personal choice where you're like dude not my thing or is it like man i had a bad gym experience once <laughs> and it's like the latter we really need to talk about you know 
and it, again, and it's not necessarily to get the finger up your ass, but just to understand. But sometimes the crazy thing is when you understand, you want that finger up your ass. Yeah, exactly. So just so you know. Or whatever. That's <laughs> or the, something or else. Whatever. You're just open to like maybe playing around that. Yeah. There. Like you can pick finger in your ass and replace it with anything. Like I don't we spent like way tomatoes. too long on this yeah, one. I think <laughs> it's great. I, yeah. I don't like tomatoes. Sorry. I didn't mean no, to cut no, no. you off. No, but like, I think you're right. I think it's like, I think we've, I think we've beat this dead horse. We beat the horse. We beat it. All right. All right. Well, so, you know, I didn't ask you what made you get into being a comedian so uh, why that path <laughs> i love it i think it's great like i obviously i well maybe it's not so obvious i do have a day job so i haven't like okay. i mean i am a legendary comedian but <laughs> <laughs> he has accolades yeah, yeah. You, and all you, kinds of how stuff i got to be a legendary <laughs> um no i i just like i said i think for me like a couple of pieces like i do love making people laugh mm-hmm. i also love the idea of getting people to a, a new place of thinking okay and i think those two things are like for whatever reason, perfectly combined. So, like, like uh, Lewis Black, he's a classic, like, angry, yelling angry comedian. angry white guy. <laughs> uh, Chris Rock. I mean, uh, they both, in their own, like, completely separate ways, if you listen to them, mm-hmm. they have a completely different style, but they're always talking about something real, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Chris Rock has this, it's, it's like two minutes it's about buying a thousand dollar bullet. Every bullet should be a thousand dollars. I don't even wow. think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's a great bit. It's I don't actually think it's two minutes. I think it's like a minute and like forty seconds, right? Mm-hmm. So in a minute forty seconds, he has an entire thousand. You know, he's a huge stadium of people, hmm. and he's like, "Let's talk about gun control for a second. And everybody's like, "I'm willing to fucking listen for a second. You know what I mean? And it's like that is powerful and beneficial mm-hmm. right we can talk about the absurdity of like gun control mm-hmm. and we can do it in a way where like, people are actually going to listen and not turn off that's pretty amazing it and it's also hilarious like that bit is fun to watch it's mm-hmm. so good i actually love like that's part of why i love watching comedians so much because you know it's interesting but a lot of them kind of have a platform that they're you know like things that are really true and important to them and it's amazing to me like i can sit and watch a comedy special and feel like i grew as a person in some way exactly <laughs> and i mean that's that's what i get out of comedy definitely yeah. well so what's it been like the experience of doing like how long have you been doing comedy i, I have been doing stand up for just a little longer than a year, but I've done improv for about five. Okay. So I think, like, it's been awesome, especially. So I think we've gone through this, like, we've gone through like the Me Too movement, right? And mm-hmm. even before that, we were starting to hit like the conversations around toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and like more open dialogue around like people's identities and genders. And now mm-hmm. we now like within the sort of broad social vernacular, we're talking about like. Are you a they, them, he, her, mm-hmm. she, whatever, yo? Um, and that's like kind of new. Like mm-hmm. within Or now like a penis owner or a vulva owner, just to be really inclusive. Oh, shit. Someone I, from California earlier oh, told really? me that one. Whoa, yeah. okay. Because you a penis owner might not be a male or a female or in the gendered binary yeah, spectrum. Yeah. I just have one, right? I here. just own one. <laughs> yeah, just, I was like, do you have to register it with the state? Because you know, property. <laughs> those those fucking property ocean o- the, the coasts are always ahead of us. I thought I was I like know. on top of I it. Actually, I went to grad school in Oregon, and so oh, I, have a, I have a. Oh, that's interesting. I was it was Eugene, but like yep. um, go Ducks, uh, right? Well, so I have a, a big group of PC police that like reminds me if I put something out there, they're like Angela, that's not up with the times. Here's what you need to say. I'm yeah, like, yeah. thank you, PC people. Well, here's I, th- this is exactly what I'm talking about. Here's what I love about comedy is like I think we need the sort of understanding of political correctness, but I also want to 
push those boundaries, right? Of because course. it's so easy on either side, right? I think it's it's easy to because I'm a liberal person, obviously. I think it's easy to be like, liberals got it. And it no. <laughs> they we, got the Yeah, yeah. It's like no fucking way, dude. Like you pick any rhetoric, right? PC rhetoric is just as bad as like like no taxes on my guns rhetoric. Honestly, right? my, I used to consider like the spectrum to be more like a circle rather than a straight because they get so liberal they yeah. go back around. Exactly. It, it's like we should control everything so nobody has a chance to like do something wrong. And it's like, oh, that's fascism, buddy. You, well, to be honest, you know, everybody's allowed to be their own unique snowflake. We value all your opinions. Yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. Fair. <laughs> that's my favorite. That's what PC I love. Side. It's like you need, like I think we, you have the interplay, right? Because like I, I'm not a PC fan. Like that's mm-hmm. just not who I am personally. Sure. No comment on people who are, and I love comedy as a way to like make an argument, mm-hmm. really like tweak to poke it. little holes in yeah. it. Yeah, and it's like where are those holes, right? Because it's like so easy to be like. Ugh, this guy, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's not PC enough. And I'm like, well, uh, I know what we're talking about. And like, mm-hmm. w- I think the arguments there that we can make that's fairly well constructed. And like, I understand the intent and mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like, uh, come at me, bro. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so being a comedian has been a learning experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, <laughs> I love it. And it forces me to think, right? Like it mm-hmm. really forces me to go like, okay, I'm going to say this statement. It's not politically correct, but is it? true like is there a kernel of truth in there right mm-hmm. and like if that's true then i'm totally gonna say it if it's just like heinous to be heinous or like, like to co- argue or yeah, something yeah. then it's like i'm not funny you know mm-hmm. so i do think it's been an awesome experience to what's learn one this. of the hardest things about being a comedian <laughs> oh bombing <laughs> holy shit dude i hate it i hate bombing mm-hmm. i don't i don't know have you ever like done you should do it you should give it one like an actual stand-up yeah, oh, like should, i speak all the time so that's like my that is my stage for uh it's a doing little it different i respect sure that. It is. i respect people who do that it's a little different when you are standing because you get like four minutes which sounds like no time at all it's a lifetime when people are just staring at you like like, make me laugh, exactly. funny man. Get the fuck off the stage. <laughs> There's it's, so much pressure. Oh, yeah. And then some people are like, you hear them whisper like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. not good. And you're like, God damn it. Well, you know, I, I know this sounds silly, but I feel like I get to practice my material on my clients. So I like if it that. lands in the session, then I'm like, oh, that might land in a bigger group. Yeah, and like, yeah. so I actually get a lot of cool practice time. I'm like, oh, this joke works. Oh, that joke doesn't work. Oh, Angela, that really, really screwed up. Never your say that again, like, ever. Right Hope now. nobody says that to anybody outside of this <laughs> session, but there's confidentiality. Yeah, yeah. But I do think it's like, it's so fun. And, and there are comedians in St. Louis that are incredible. Like, mm-hmm. really, I think we have a really good just comedy scene in general. And it's it's been awesome to like watch them grow and like mm-hmm. be part of that community in general. And like, not all of us agree politically. Yeah. So it's been, and and obviously because we're doing comedy, we skewer the shit out of each other. Of course. So it's like, that's I, how you grow on your clothes. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's great. It's like, I think there is like, you know, a healthy, I, I think sometimes it's not quite healthy, but I think for the most part, it's a fairly healthy tension, which I really appreciate. So <laughs> just to throw in some annoying therapy stuff. Well, Please. of course, comedy is also a way to kind of, uh, it can be both a way to be vulnerable and a way to avoid mm, vulnerability. It's a way sometimes true. people dismiss each other. Like sarcasm is commonly used as a poor way to ask for your needs. Yep. So it's like, oh, ugh. so you want to have sex with her or, you know, and it's yeah, like, yeah, like, ugh. You think uh, my boobs aren't big enough, and it's Whatever like, it is. Uh, what? What? You're like, wait a. So yeah, like, so sarcasm is a great way to what we say deflect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when really, you need to be like, do you like me? And I just, I just know want that to you be love loved. me. <laughs> yeah, that's real. I was just talking to. So I just was at Naughty Gras, which was uh-huh. awesome, which is a. It's like an erotic sex show in St. Louis, uh, which you should check out. Um, it'll be on Amazon, 2019. Uh, <laughs> 
But there was a guy who was working for the sex department or the health and sex education department or whatever. Um, so one of those things. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not to minimize his job. I just can't remember the name. <laughs> okay. Uh, but we were talking about like he talks to teens a lot and teens often like he'll get through the part of like using condoms and then like they're, they, they'll start to crack. They'll be like, oh yeah, the condoms, you know, and they can't, they can't even make it through without making jokes. Um, we were chatting about how that's just a mask for their own yeah. like whatever right i mean they're teens right uncomfortable yeah like i was a super uncomfortable teen like i was worried as shit i would have totally been like (laughs) condoms yeah like (laughs) like oh my god you know yeah well it's just funny the interplay to me like i don't know it all it all links in some way but there is a really interesting interplay between when comedy is used to get really vulnerable and at times when comedy is used to keep from being vulnerable and that's part of why i love watching comedians too is how they'll do that they'll there's almost like a style to it like initially you're like bringing people's defenses down you're getting everybody comfortable but then there comes this point in the show where people get like real and they're they're like but they've already gotten them to that space so it's like now you're open to hearing that message that's really important and like it's like you said it's this this take on something that like is really important to you and like this hole in society sorry I just went on a diatribe I'm losing it I think you're hitting the point like there are two comedians right now that you can go watch Uh, like Michelle Wolf she's touring right now and Mm -hmm. so I think she's really good at that right where she like gives you enough of herself Mm -hmm. without being so vulnerable or making like it's sarcastic and she talks about her abortion like oh wow yeah it's a pretty tough topic it's a tough topic and then she makes it hilarious so like you've got people like she was here recently in missouri so she's got people talking in missouri like listening that they're like oh yeah tell me more about abortion i want to know about abortion fucking incredible which is very difficult if you've ever been here (laughs) it is such a heated topic it's a tough one (laughs) and she does it and she makes it like very personal well that but it also isn't like like what you're saying, a mask. I think it's yeah. very. She's very much in control of what she's saying, but it never feels like she's like washasha. You know, like you can't <laughs> see what I'm talking about. Well, so we're towards the end of the show here. I just wanted to know, like, if there was one final thought or one final plug you want to put out there for our listeners to well, know about you, Alexander, or uh, life, or whatever. I would say I have to plug. You know, it'd be it would behoove me or like be crazy if I didn't plug my podcast. Not so of sexy. course. I think it's a great like compliment, like. Because I am not the expert, right? I have people Mm -hmm. tell me what they think is going on. Because people don't feel normal as sexual people, they always feel like there's something wrong with them. So I think your message is hitting home, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) And she's a doctor. (laughs) Well, so anyhow, you have been listening to www.aboutsexpodcasts. If you want to find me, visit www.therapistinstlouis.com. And of course, you can also check out my books, Helping Couples Overcome Infidelity. We'll get there, 2020. (laughs) Or Premarital Counseling at Amazon. And then, of course, feel free to email your questions to aboutsexpodcast at gmail.com, and we may just answer them online. I'm your host, Angela Skirtu. Stay kiki, St. Louis.